0: Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show.
1: He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion.
0: He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
2: Well, it's a Thursday, the sixth day of July, and Craig Roberts saying good afternoon. Welcome. Good to have you on board for another edition of Lifeline. Lots to talk about on the program tonight. It's going to be a hectic first hour, and then into, of course, our Church of the Week coming up tonight in hour number two. Meanwhile, speaking of of the 4th of July celebration. While that celebration might be over with, the pain the celebration caused some families will linger on. Two people are dead in separate incidents involving fireworks over the 4th of July. In Michigan, a woman was killed and nine others hurt when a firework exploded at a home Monday night. Local reports indicate nearby homes and vehicles were also damaged. Meanwhile, a house in Texas caught fire from fireworks explosions, resulting in... One death and multiple injuries. Closer to home, illegal fireworks are to blame for a deadly house fire in Central California. Going off when flames sparked Tuesday night, a home in the town of Gonzales. Neighbors tried to save the 70-year-old resident inside, crawling on their on the floor with their faces covered, but were unable to reach her. Crews arrived on the scene within five minutes, were also pushed back by the intense heat. The victim's nephew says people were setting off mortar rounds All around the area, an investigation is underway and even still closer to home in Antioch. Fireworks destroyed one home and left a second uninhabitable, destroying a rare vintage automobile for one family. And we're still claiming the life of a treasured family pet. I've got to wonder, in 2023, if maybe there's not a better way for us to celebrate our independence than using fireworks that were invented 5,000 years ago. Joining me with some insights on this and other issues, we're joined by best-selling author, attorney, and educator, author of the best-selling book, Take Back Education, Mr. Joe Murray. And uh, Joe, a belated happy 4th of July to you.
1: Happy 4th of July to you, my friend. I hope you had a good one.
2: I did indeed, although I have to admit, and I don't know how many listeners are gonna think, oh, this guy's just a non patriot or a big uh, humbugger. But it was it was much like living in the middle of a war zone from about eight thirty five until about one o'clock the next morning. And just as I would start to doze off, as most of us had to be back to work the next day, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. And when I read the stories I shared, Joe, at the beginning, when we look at peak fires season in July, August, September, October. States like California, a tinderbox. Look at what's happening in California, in Canada with more than 500, 500 active wildfires as we speak. California with its own horrific track record of fires. And then we add to that the tragic loss of life and the injuries. And I have to wonder to myself, for a nation that allegedly prides ourselves in some corners of being so pro-environment and yet we think nothing about the pollutants that go into the air, The lives that are damaged, the lives that are destroyed, the people that are injured, all because we want to see stuff go boom on the 4th of July. And and even the broader question, and this kind of gets to more of the core of my frustration with all of this, and that is, I have to wonder if you were to take a survey of the average American and say, we fly these flags, we set off all these fireworks, what is the reason for all of this? I bet you wouldn't get a straight answer.
1: They would tell you that when Abraham Lincoln became the first United Nations Solicitor General, General, that's when
2: we get our country. You think they know that much? I'm I'm betting they know the Solicitor General. I'm I'm betting they can't even come up with the name Lincoln unless they're thinking about a car. That's. I was going to say, the
1: 4th of July is when America declared independence from America, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But no, you you are preaching to the choir. You know, I live in the great state of Tennessee, and it is great for so many reasons. It is not great because it allows these fireworks. And, you know, it's funny you should say that. It felt like a war zone because they can shoot fireworks off it here from July 1st to July 4th. And these are, they're almost professional grade fireworks. A couple of pictures actually fell off of our, our walls. Uh, the booms were so big. And you know, and I am all for freedom. And I think freedom is great, but you should not have freedom without consideration because that borders on tyranny. And it, you, you look at what's going on, consideration A for you don't know how many veterans are in your neighborhood who might have PA, PTSD. There are pets who, myself included, have pets that are still traumatized now to go outside because it's not. We're not just talking about maybe five minutes of some mm-hmm. boom in some neighborhoods, including my own. It goes from seven o'clock to around
2: midnight. Oh, it I'll, I'll not, do you one better God. than that, Joe. Yes. Not far from my yes. neighborhood, and I don't think I necessarily live in a bad area. Yes. This usually starts not around seven. Uh, Well, I take that back. This does start around 7, about the 7th of June, and it will go on nonstop, seemingly until they run out of fireworks and M-80s. I mean, I I was hearing stuff going off last night, and that's fully a day after the 4th of July, and it just continues to go.
1: It does. And like you said, the risk to property damage, especially this time of year when most parts of the nation are either at drought or near drought. And, and what really gets me, the response when you, you question this, and, and it's like, oh, you're anti-American. I'm like, look, you are setting off fireworks that were invented in China, that were made in China, making China wealthy. So, <laughs> you know, who's really being anti-American here? And, and, and that's, that's what I don't get because so many towns have great fireworks shows. I can tell you here, starting July on June 30th, All the towns that that live around, that I live around, had nice fireworks shows that you could have gone to. And the need to set these off, because the other thing people are are not really considering is that most of these folks are going to start lighting these off around the 7, 8, 9 o'clock hour. Once you get past the 9 o'clock hour, you can't tell me that they have not enjoyed some libations that are going to impair their judgment in lighting these explosives. I mean, you know, we like to call them fireworks because it makes them sound all all cute and, and entertaining but it's it's explosives that you're lighting off <laughs> and, and you're doing it in residential areas uh, i mean i i have seen roofs catch on fire uh when people have lit
2: well listen you know here in california and and as you know our state has a bad reputation for our yeah. our fire history there were 60 yeah. six zero, 60 separate fires in and around the greater bay area not the state just the greater bay Area alone. of which were attributable to, I like your word, they're not fireworks, explosives. Yeah,
1: and and here's what I've always thought. I said, if you really wanna have a balance, if you really wanna make this happen, and you know me, I am not any part of the bureaucratic state. I I am not that type of guy. But in this situation, you are allowing people to set off explosives that could do major damage to life, limb, and property. So why not say, okay, Great. If you want to set off fireworks, you have to get a bond. You have to get a license. You have to maintain this insurance policy. Let's see how many people want to set it off that because nine times out of ten, the people who set your house on fire or do great harm to you, you don't have a great number of assets or insurance. And therefore, not only are they they terrorizing you by setting off explosives, if they do harm to you, you're left with little recourse. So if you really want to set these things off, set up a system where you can apply for a permit, just like we would a gun, because it is, I view, in the same category, and let them get licensed and bonded. And it may shame that they hold these policies. And I bet you soup to nuts you would cut down the number of accidents.
2: Well, and I'm with you on that. I, I've, I've come of the opinion that I'm not against fireworks per se. I'm just in, against fireworks in the hands of ignorant people. Now, even yes. people that are being careful, accidents and mistakes are made, though I will tell you the case in Michigan there where that woman literally was killed and nine others were injured uh, as one of the uh, television networks was, you know, grabbing the uh, you know pictures on the scene, uh, I couldn't help but notice a number of empty beer cans and beer bottles strewn about. Yeah. I thought, yeah, they've had a bit too much, and now they're going to set this, the Roman candle off, and they light the wrong end or whatever, and before you know it, they've either killed somebody or destroyed the neighbor's property. Unintentional as it may be, to which then I say, you know, there are some things that are better left to the professionals. So, why doesn't the municipality say, we will set up a fund if you'd like to have fireworks, uh, you know, every resident can contribute, you know, five bucks to it. And if we hit this threshold, we will bring in professional pyrotechnics that will do fireworks over the bay, over a pond, over some place that doesn't put a risk to life and limb that are controlled by professionals. So that property is safe. The animals are safe. Your house is safe. And then enjoy all the fireworks you want. But putting literally explosives into the hands of of oftentimes children is just absolutely foolish. And in my mind, no way to be celebrating our independence.
1: No and like you said it really just the focus of it because really you should be coming together as a nation you should be coming together as a community and you said that the best way to do that is for the towns to do it and and I'm going to tell you I don't know how it is in California but here in Tennessee we got some pretty small towns we have towns of population of 1000 and under and even those towns are putting on fireworks shows so there is no shortage of municipalities that are going to set off the fireworks and and like i said it starts here around usually the june 30th because none of the towns want to compete with each other so they kind of get together and they get a calendar so every night from june 30th to july 4th at least here you had a place to go to watch these these beautiful fireworks shows and i think to myself you you go into these crowded subdivisions where you don't have a lot of space and you start lighting these things off even if you're an expert, like you said, Craig, you don't know about the wind. You don't know about uh, something that is an anomaly that might cause the accident. And, and again, then we're at to the point where, OK, now somebody has been severely damaged and they might be without recourse to make themselves whole. Well, more and over- we know that you can't make yourself whole with loss of life.
2: Exactly. And, and, and moreover, there's also the notion that even if you do everything, quote unquote, right, you're talking about fireworks. To my knowledge, 100%, uh, maybe the number's even higher than that, come from China, where there are very few controls, certainly from a safety standpoint and a product quality control. So who's to say that the Roman candle that's intended to have everything shoot out the top, instead, manufacturing flaw, nobody caught it, now when you light it, instead of it shooting out the top, it explodes from the middle and sends shrapnel in every direction and injures your kids you know you didn't intend for that to happen but it happened nevertheless it's just entirely too risky and i think it's high time we rethink this and i'll say this before we go to break those of you who are residents in cities like newark and san bruno i think dublin allows it union city allows it why don't you write a letter to your member of city council and say, why are we continuing to do this? And don't tell me it's because it's a great source of income for nonprofits. Nonprofits exist everywhere else without fireworks. Encourage them, do a bake sale, put on a pancake breakfast. Do something other than selling dangerous explosives for people to unfortunately find their properties destroyed or worse still loss of life. Unintended as it may be, it's still the consequences. And when you're talking about the peak of fire season in California, any sane person would look at this and say, in the middle of all of this, with California's fire history, you really think it's a good idea to give somebody a six-pack and then put a bunch of fireworks in their hands? Really? Really? We'll take a time out much more to talk about. Joe Murray with us today, best-selling author, educator, and attorney. His book, Take Back Education, available through the usual suspects, including Amazon.com. Back with more after this.
1: And
0: now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're
2: back with attorney, best-selling author, and educator Joe Murray, a look at some of the big stories of the week. And uh, Joe, without belaboring this point, there was another aspect of the Fourth of J- July celebration that was also very disheartening, that had nothing to do with celebrating America's independence from Britain. But um, there were, over the course of the holiday a uh, 16 mass shootings across the United States, some right here in the Bay Area. 15 people were killed, 94 injured across 13 states plus Washington D.C. And you know, every time one of these events happens we talk about it and I guess my rhetorical question is when will the insanity stop?
1: Uh, You know, I I really hate to say it, I don't know if it is ever going to stop, Greg, because the trajectory that we are on uh, in terms of what we value, in terms of how we see the world, how we see one another, it keeps it keeps hardening. We keep we keep separating from one another. We keep we keep putting up these walls, and we we keep allowing people to divide us and, and to and to put us into this dichotomy of you must be good or evil, you're with us or against us. And you see a breakdown of society on so many so many levels. You know, when we first started talking about these, gosh, what was it, twenty years ago, Craig? We would we would go through the motions and say, okay, how can we respect the Second Amendment but also recognize common sense of, common sense approaches to make sure that we don't have all these guns in the wrong hands. And now. I'm, I'm somewhat convinced that even if we had a total gun ban, which I do not support, it wouldn't do anything because we have created an environment now where we don't see each other as neighbors. We see each other as, as just commodities and we can do whatever we want with the commodities. There's a such a loss of, of value of life in this country that we don't value it, that, that we don't see life as precious. We see it as fleeting. And we act accordingly, whether it is the mass shootings, whether it's the fireworks that we talked about, whether it's it's how we are on the roads with, with road rage. We don't value life anymore. And and I I've been thinking about this because I, like you, saw this over the holiday and it's like, when is it going to stop? And I don't know if it can. I think, like we've all agreed, we need to have some sense of common sense gun control to make sure that we don't have a proliferation of guns. We need to make sure that we start seeing each other as people. But how do we do that? Because social media has so changed the dynamic, the human dynamic. Uh, you know, we, we can become those quote-unquote keyboard warriors. And we're so hostile and we're so hardened to each other on the Internet. Something we would never say face-to-face. Something that we would never say over the phone. We, we have no problem putting on social media. And, and then when you look at the whole concept of what Pope John Paul said back in the 80s, We don't value life anymore. From abortion to euthanasia, we don't value the most vulnerable. So if we don't value the most vulnerable, what makes us think we're gonna value anyone else? And I think that is the crux of this, is that what do we value in this country? And I can't say that life is something we value in this country right now. Look, we have universities putting morning after pills in vending machines. So you know, until we can get a hold on valuing life, I don't know if laws are going to be able to fix it, because here's the thing, Craig, laws can't change the hearts of men. All laws do is penalize something. But so long as the heart of man is not changed, that law is pretty much impotent.
2: And, and, you know, and that that goes to a, a kind of a pet peeve of mine. I, I, I spoke recently at a men's fellowship, and I'm sure I, I startle more than a few in attendance when I said, look, at the end of the day, as we analyze the landscape of what's happening in our nation morally and spiritually and the sense of anger and frustration, the road rage. I mean, it was bad enough you used to honk your horn and somebody, you know, yeah. flip you the bird uh, if you if you even made a mistake. Right now, they're just as likely to pull out a gun and shoot you. And then you 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 couple with that the fact that we've removed all the guardrails away from uh, you know uh, what goes on in entertainment. So all of a sudden, it's just you know ch- children are being taught that that the way you settle disputes is through violence. And I and I made the comment at the time. I said you know uh, in our eagerness to want to address all that's going on in the nation, let's be mindful that at the very core. Make America Great Again is a snappy little political slogan that will ring horrifically hollow if we don't, in the first place, make America godly again. Because absent the capacity of making America godly again, our ability to make it great again, I think is just going to be a fool's folly.
1: And that's what it comes down to, uh, you know, it's basically feet of clay is what we're standing on right now, what we have right now. And until we are able to return to those roots, and I don't know if we can get there. I don't know if it's in into the, into the plan to get there. I don't know these uh, the answers to these questions, but we got to try and i see so many times over so many people that have just kind of given up and and gone into retreat or seclusion or tried to surround themselves with like-minded individuals in hopes that maybe they can have little little enclaves in 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 this kind of cultural drain that we're in or sewer that we're in and and it makes you think you know that will make you feel comfortable that will make you feel safe but our mission is not to feel comfortable and safe it's to be out in the world spreading spreading the good news and i find that so many are now retreating from that and i understand it don't get me wrong it is it is a very volatile place out there especially for for christians and you know i I laughed that during pride month that the biden administration had no problems raising pride flags in in very christian-oriented countries including the vatican but you never saw the biden administration raise a pride flag in any predominantly muslim country so christians are you know I would love, I would love to see that I like to see that flag try fly in tehran or and telling in quite telling quite telling <laughs> but no you're going to shove it in the post vase but nope, you, you they're not going to be in the middle east uh, but but that's what i'm saying so christians are facing a lot of hostilities right now and, and so I get the the need and, and the desire to say you know what let this world have it we're going to come we're going to regroup we're going to kind of stick together and, and I get that feeling but we, we have it in us, our, our, our purpose is to get out there and spread the good news, even if we think that we're losing this battle, because, you know, as a believer, you know that you, the ultimate battle, we will win. So it, it's a very telling time where we are right now.
2: Well, and, and at the end of the day, correct. at the end of the day, as I read scripture, our job is not to condemn them. God will do that. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will handle the conviction. God, at the appropriate time, will handle the condemnation because he is a righteous and holy God. But our job is to reach them. And I know it's frustrating, but listen, if you're frustrated with your neighbor's behavior, here's an idea. Pray for them and then reach them with the gospel because you're as you're absolutely right Joe at the end of the day you're not going to modify behavior I'm not against putting laws on the books but laws are like locks on doors they just keep the honest people honest that's all they do so if at the end of the day you really want to see a difference you have to affect heart change and you're not going to affect heart change if all you do is scream and yell at people and and make the subject of of, of division and, and couch them in terms of being your enemy I mean whatever happened to what we were raised, hopefully most of us back in the Stone Age, were raised as kids. If you had a sibling and there was one toy, you were told, figure it out, share, take turns, do something, but work it out. Here, we don't want to do that. We want to stand our ground politically and get into a big fight, and then when you don't come over to my side, call you my enemy, and then add even greater division to make sure that the chasm the gulf between us gets wider and wider and wider and as we do that all we do is is dilute the possibility of ever seeing things um, righted and again absent, absent the focus on godliness um, you know, we're all we're doing is rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. As a friend of mine is, uh, is, is frequently likes to quote Joe Murray with us today, educator, best-selling author, attorney, and um, we're talking a bit about some of the top stories and uh, their impact on all of our lives. And when we come back, I want to turn a corner in our remaining moments. Uh, we've got a little longer uh, conversation tonight with the Church of the Week, but I want to spend a couple of minutes uh, briefly talking with Joe about Janet. Yellen's visits to China and what's going on with Russia. That is Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to The Conversation. Joe Murray with us today. He, of course, is a best-selling author of the book Take Back Education. He himself an educator and also a um, well-seasoned lawyer. We're talking about a variety of issues um, hitting the headline news today. And one of the issues, of course, is that uh, Janet Yellen is uh, spending her immediate days post-Independence Day wandering around in Beijing trying to convince uh, the proletariat there and all the leaders um, I, I think essentially the message to break it down, I heard one commenter, commentator say she's simply going there with, um, you know, ha- hat in hand saying, can't we all just get along? I guess a lot of this has to do with not only the feuds related to tariffs, but also concerns over a number of companies that are seriously looking at pulling their business out of China, most notably Apple, one of the biggest manufacturers in China, um, their um, subsidiary Manufacturer Foxconn saying, you know what, we think Vietnam is a much more attractive alternative.
1: Well, you know, I, I think that uh, Janet just wants to get away from the West Wing right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm in Beijing. I'm, I'm sorry. It's Wing. Wait, what do you mean it's snowing in Washington, D.C.? It's <laughs> July. It can't snow in July. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. But,
1: uh, but look, I mean, this trip, I mean, it's doomed, to, I think, from the start. And here's why. Uh, we're coming in from a position of weakness as if we have to explain or apologize for what's going on in China. Look, this is a game that China started, not under the Trump administration or the Obama or the Bush, but in the Clinton years. And well before the Clinton years, I would even say with Bush 41, China knew how, what it needed to do to become a global superpower, and that was the mercantilistic policies that, that made Britain a great power uh, during the uh, 18th century, that made America the great power during the 19th and 20th centuries, and they were basically mimicking and modeling that behavior. So when President Trump came in, he said, whoa, no more. And now he might have went a little too far on some things, but he basically said, look, you're not going to manipulate your currency anymore. You're not going to devalue our imports or or excuse me, uh, you know, hike up the cost of our imports to your country. You're not going to just send us uh, all this great electronic stuff and all we send you is soybeans. So there was a thing to say, look, and this is the most important thing, if you keep acting the way you do, we're gonna penalize you there because if you want access to this great market, maybe you shouldn't be persecuting Christians. Maybe you shouldn't be doing the forced abortions. Maybe you shouldn't be putting some of those Muslim folks in concentration camps, right? And, and now, you know, I read it from the New York Times and it was like the Treasury Secretary will need to defend the export controls. No, you don't need to defend it. It's basically China, get your act together. You want to be a first world, uh, you know, big big player. You can't act like a third world dictator, right? So I I think the way that they're going there, this shouldn't be an explanation trip. This should be like, if you don't like what we're doing right now, keep up acting the way you are. It's going about to get a lot worse for you. And 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 I think going in the position of, oh well, we're just going to explain we really don't want to hurt you. Uh, You know, we really don't want to hurt your economy. Why wouldn't we? Because they've wanted to hurt ours. Absolutely. Yeah I mean that that's what I so I I'm I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of hope of anything of value coming out of this trip
2: Yeah, and I think the idea of looking at viable alternatives, uh, many of which are beginning to, to emerge, I understand that there's a large possibility that some chip manufacturers are looking at not only countries like Vietnam, but also Thailand, and then the notion of bringing more and more manufacturing to our southern neighbors, which I have for years now argued, we've created this monster called Communist China by sending all of our manufacturing over there, we have helped to uplift the communist economy meanwhile people are suffering to the south of us Mm -hmm. we're concerned about illegal immigration here's a fancy idea why don't we do something that will not cost us anything i'm not talking about sending you know overseas dollars or support dollars overseas i'm saying why don't we move some of our manufacturing to mexico or further south it's cheaper to ship The labor is just as cheap. You can train them to be just as effective. And guess what? Not only do you save on shipping costs, but you're helping to support democracies as opposed to communism.
1: And and that's... There you have it right there. I mean, the thing is... I think everybody in today's age is a free trader, but you need to be a smart trader too. And if, if your biggest trading partner is someone who a doesn't practice free trade, and b uses all that trade surplus money to build up an arsenal to make itself stronger so it can do more harm to you, and maybe you know fly fly balloons from your with your own technology across your entire country, maybe you don't need to be as as uh, connected to that country. Uh, that, that we need to, especially now in this world where we're seeing so many viable options come up, and why not use the economic policy to help lift and build our ideals? Uh, you're not going to do that in China. They've, they've said that for years. When Clinton tried to get China into, what well, got China into the WTO, their response was, we want, yes, China is a great human rights violator, but once they see the free market... They will change their ways. Well, now we're here. How yeah. many years later? <laughs>
2: How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, they they snowed us. It was a great snow job that
1: China did. And, and cause at the end of the day, as long as they're able to manipulate the economy, which they do without any fear. Now, if we would have been firm with China in the early years under the Bush administration, China might have embraced uh, capitalism and some type of, of freedom. But we didn't. We let China get away because we basically said, look, we're going to divorce. We're going to decouple our economic policy from our from our other human rights and human interest policy. And that was a problem, because what incentive does China have to change if they were getting everything they wanted already? It's like my grandmother says, who wants to buy the cow when you get the milk for free?
2: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Your 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 point is bang on. I, I want to pivot to another one of our enemies, Russia. Uh, now, we know that currently Russia is holding a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. Um, there's been some talk about a potential prisoner swap. Just give me your overall sense. I mean, given the fact that we're kind of involved in a bit of a a um, slight proxy war. It's a proxy war minus one, and I say that in the sense that you've got Russia attacking the uh, Ukraine, but Ukraine being supported with at least military supplies and weapons by the United States. So that's kind of a partial proxy proxy war, in my opinion. Uh, your, your thoughts on where things are right now, on what appeared to be the makings of a coup, the sudden withdrawal, and I don't know if this is now uh, Putin just dis, you know determining that he at greater risk if he continues to uh, saber rattle or what the deal is. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read this because one of the things that really has struck my interest with Russia is uh, the few, the last few stories that we've seen uh, of them, basically fighter jets, Russian fighter pilots going after our drones in Syria and some of these places. I mean, pretty much trying to damage them and, and doing it without any, any sense of shame and any sense of fear. So in one hand, you'd be thinking, OK, Russia would, you know, if the coup was a serious problem for Putin and he knew that, you know, he's, he's, this war in Ukraine was supposed to be won within days. And now here we are, uh, you know, in a year and a half in. Um, so why now are you trying to antagonize the United States? But for the fact that you don't respect our commander in chief, uh, because I, I don't understand. And then you're now talking about a prisoner swap. You're, you're 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 attacking our drones. You're 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 making our operations in the Middle East more difficult. And now you're floating the idea of a prisoner swap. All the while you just dodged a coup, and you're losing a war that you got your country into that everybody thought you'd win. So I, I I'm at the point now where it's either pure. Craziness, or as pure brilliance that we just can't understand yet, because I cannot read these tea leaves yet.
2: Yeah, and I just—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's hard to tell. At the end of the day. I know what the beginning game was for Putin. I'm not sure at this juncture what the end game is for Putin, only in the sense that uh, as we're sitting here, what, a year and a half after the war started, that it it, it would appear, at least from from my vantage point, that Ukraine is starting to become the modern-day version of the old Soviet Union's Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, and that's where I think we are just like iraq was somewhat in the middle east was for us now you know in, in afghanistan really our our modern day afghanistan was so if you look at what's going on and, and, and you especially look at china stepping up and telling putin do not nuke kiev right do not do it so china of course is now taking the position as the world leader because it was fumbling with his cpap machine uh so we don't we don't know exactly what that was sent was he going to do it was he leaning that way why did china feel it necessary to make that proclamation and say that so you i i think that there's a lot of uncertainty going on in russia and the, and and the reason i say that is exactly what i said uh you know you have i don't think you have one contr- one solid ruler in russia right now i think that you have many factions fighting uh, and i think it's he putin is a lot weaker than we're actually seeing because, like I said, you wouldn't antagonize the United States at the same time you're asking for a prisoner swap, and at the same time you're facing a coup, and China's telling you not to nuke, and you're not able to win this war. So I I think we're seeing the beginning of the potential end for Putin. That's what my gut says. I just don't know if that's the case, or we're getting a great snow job here. Well, uh, you know
2: what, I'm going to go with your gut because that's the most desirable, so as the old saying goes, from your lips to God's ears. Joe Murray, Constitution lawyer, best-selling author, educator. His book, Take Back Education, check it out online at amazon.com. Joe, as always, we appreciate the time and the insight.